Um, Father, thank you so much for the, the invitation and the privilege and the joy it is to come uh, to you in worship. And I echo the prayers that have been offered, the, the words, the scriptures, the, the songs that we've sung. God, we give you glory because you are worthy to receive all things. Everything comes from you and we return everything to you in praise. I just ask that as we open your scriptures and as we consider them, I ask that you would speak to each person here. And uh, I know you do speak, Lord, so I ask that you would open our ears to hear. I thank you that uh, your, your word goes forth and it doesn't come back empty. I thank you that you speak because you delight to the way that a, a father delights to speak and sing over his children. So God, um, I ask that you would help me, but even more than help me, to get me out of the way that people might listen for your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, thanks Joel for reading, and yeah, thanks team for leading us so beautifully in worship. Uh, before I get into the scriptures this morning, I actually want to talk about something a little maybe odd. I want to talk about something about brain chemistry. <laughs> um, it, what was that? We love, we love brain chemistry, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about it. In particular, I want to talk about uh, serotonin. Okay. You know what serotonin is? Heard of that? Heard of that? Yeah. So serotonin is one of the things going on in your brain. And uh, it's one of the things that it does in your mind is it regulates mood, okay? Now, if you have a higher level of serotonin, you've got more positive emotion, you're sort of generally feeling better. If you've got a lower level, you're feeling lower. And if you're kind of all over the show, you, you maybe emotionally feel all over the show. And uh, one of the most common forms of antidepressant prescribed is a, ser a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, or SSRI. It's a very common form of medication given out. And that works on the serotonin function in your brain. And the idea is to regulate your mood. And if you've been suffering depression or something like that, it's to lift you out of that place to help you um, to stabilize. Now, one of the interesting things that I learned about this uh, thing called serotonin is that it is in part related to where we perceive ourselves to be in the hierarchy of the world or of the hierarchy of the situation in which we find ourselves. So, broadly speaking, if you feel that you're kind of advancing in life and you feel relative to other people around you that you're doing all right, you've got an, you're likely to have a, an elevated sort of serotonin level and you're likely to have a better mood. Conversely, if you feel like you're down and out and you've kind of got nothing and you, you can very likely feel worse. Um, a good illustration for that would be if your boss comes to you and says, hey, look, Joel, you've been doing awesome work. We're really proud of you. You've achieved a lot. We think you've got a lot of potential. We're going to promote you. We're going to send you up the hierarchy in the business, and you're going to be a manager of this team. 
here you go. That's, yeah, sorry, I, this is just hypothetical. Um, <laughs> that's likely to produce some positive emotion. It's probably going to affect your mood. You're going to feel a bit better about things. Conversely, if someone comes to, to me and says, Mark, you've, look, you're not doing a good job, buddy. You're trying, but this just isn't the place for you, and, and you know, we're going to... We're going to send you down a, a rung. You, you're not, you know, if I receive a demotion, then I'm probably going to feel worse about things, right? So this is because, as I understand it, serotonin has some relationship to how we perceive ourselves to be within the hierarchy of life. Um, and that can be in all sorts of different ways. It doesn't mean that all the people at the bottom of the heap are depressed and all the people at the top are happy because lots of rich people get depressed, right? But what it means is that the, your place relative to others has an effect on you. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, but I'll leave it there for now. We're beginning today a very short Advent series, and we are in Luke chapter 1. And so this week, I'm preaching on Mary's song, sometimes called the Magnificat, uh, and next week, Rebecca's going to be preaching on Zechariah's song, which is what Zechariah sings at the birth of his son, John the Baptist. But today, we're with Mary. And as a quick sort of recap of the story that you probably know, Mary is this young woman, and she's visited by an angel. And the angel says to her, the Lord has favored you, and the Lord has a very special task for you. He wants you to carry his salvation. And Mary says, and I made this, just so you know, it's funny preaching the same thing twice because I'm kind of repeating the same jokes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and not get in my own head about that, um, <coughs> although I clearly am. Uh, she says to the angel, in the words of the Beatles, let it be, right? She says, let it be unto me according to your word. Yes, Lord, I will be the person that carries your son. Now, Mary, newly pregnant in this kind of bizarre way, let's face it, uh, heads to visit her, her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was older, and she had not had a child, but when Mary arrives, she finds that Elizabeth is about six months pregnant. And when Mary comes into the room and speaks to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant with John the Baptist, the child, it says, leaps in her womb. John the Baptist could hear through the voice of Mary and maybe just being in the presence of Jesus in her womb could hear and feel this, whatever it was, the presence of God, the holiness of God coming. And John leaps in the womb. And it says that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to prophesy. She says to Mary, "'Blessed are you among women.'" And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, I've been thinking about this because uh, I'm not Catholic, but uh, the Catholics have a, a strong devotion and a love for Mary. And as Protestants, we can be a bit wary of that because it's like we shouldn't be worshipping Mary, we should be worshipping Jesus, 100%. But this is how I was thinking about it, right? The Bible says, blessed are you among women. And... If my mum came in here 
I would hope that you would all treat her with honor and love and respect, right? Not because she's my mum. I mean, not because I'm so special, but because it's my mum, right? We honor our mothers. How much more the mother of Jesus? So I've come to love Mary, despite all that Catholic stuff. I think Mary's awesome. And that's why part of why I love this story. That's an aside. Let's, let's move on. So her cousin Elizabeth says this to her, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And Mary's response to that is to sing a song. And Joel just read it. I'm going to read it again for you. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked down in favor on the lowliness of his servant. And from age to age, all peoples will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary's response to this incredible thing that has happened to her is to magnify the Lord from her innermost being. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And then she goes into this great description of what it is that God has done for not just her but for his people. And we see in this that Mary begins with the personal, it's my soul, it's her soul that magnifies the Lord because of what he's done for me, but what he's done for me is to rescue his whole people. So God chooses us in our lives at a personal level. He has a task for us. He has a unique calling on each one of us, something that we are made and called to do. But it doesn't stop with us. We are blessed, as was said of Abraham, we are blessed to be a blessing. And Mary's calling was uh, to carry the Son of God was such that God had done a great thing for her, but that literally through her, through her birth canal, she was going to bring the salvation of the world. What an amazing thing. Now, I want to go back to this idea when I was talking about uh, serotonin and where we see ourselves in the hierarchy. Luke's gospel, from start to finish, but especially in the first couple of chapters, is very conscious of the fact that there are some at the top of the heap and there are some at the bottom. There are some who are inside the community and close to the center and have honor and prestige. And there are some who are on the outside who aren't so highly regarded and so highly honored. But if you read Luke 1 and 2 in particular, the interesting thing that you see is that the people who are high and lofty in the world 
are present, but they're not the center of the story. Luke's gospel begins by setting sort of the historical context. He says, in the year that uh, Quirinius was governor and that Caesar Augustus was the emperor in Rome, these big, lofty, powerful people, an angel of the Lord came to a little young woman in a little back country town and said, you've been favored. We see in Luke 1 and 2 and, and 3, we see Herod, who was the king in the land at the time. And yet the story focuses its attention on some shepherds, some bottom of the heap, below minimum wage earning, not good for much people in the eyes of everyone else. And yet those are the ones to whom this chorus of angel appears and announces, look, the saviour of the whole world's being born. Even if we look at Elizabeth, the mother of uh, John the Baptist, and, and her husband Zechariah was the high priest, he had status for sure. But they were elderly people and they hadn't had a child. And in that culture, that was sort of a mark of having been perhaps disregarded by the Lord because they hadn't been blessed that way. So at some level, Zechariah and Elizabeth were on the outside because they hadn't achieved or done what good people do and, and all of that. And yet they're the ones that God chooses to bring. The forerunner, John the Baptist, to come and, and announce that Jesus is on his way. So we have this contrast, the great, the powerful, but they don't feature very much. And then we have many people, the low, the poor, the outcast. And right at the center of them we have Mary, who says, who receives this word from the Lord that this is going to happen. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he, he who is most high, has looked down in favor on me in my lowliness, the lowly estate of his servant. And age to age, all people will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. So I want to ask you a question. How do you perceive yourself in the world? How do you perceive your place in the world's hierarchy? How do you perceive yourself in the kingdom of God and the church? We often discount ourselves. We often look at ourselves and judge ourselves and put ourselves down and imagine, no, God could never use me. God doesn't have that purpose for me. I need to sort this out first. I need to have got my ducks in a row, bought a house, whatever, before God could use me. And I think there's something about this connection between our mood, our self-perception, and our place in God's kingdom where we can imagine ourselves to be low and therefore discount that God 
might be coming to use and call and bless us. This song first came to me uh, almost exactly 10 years ago. I was at Kerry Baptist College. I'd done one year and I was discerning, God, what do you want me to do next? And I believed, but I thought it was crazy that God might be calling me to be a pastor. I believed it at a faith level, but my flesh thinking, my eyes, my rationality thought that's crazy. I can't do that. I'm way too low, too depressed, too whatever to do that. But I said yes to that call, and this song came alive. And this song became my song. And so through all the times where that feeling has come back, that I'm not worthy, I'm not called, whatever, I've just sung it to myself. I've said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked down in favor on the lowliness of his servant. And age to age, all people will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And age to age, all people will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And, and that's, you've just had a glimpse into a very private thing, just so you know. Because I've spent time in this room, I've spent time in my car, I've spent time at home when no one else is around, when I've been doubting what God, I believe God has said, and looking with my eyes, with my flesh, at what I can see around me and what I feel, and then I've brought that song up and I've said, no, God, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for the mighty one has done great things for me. And age to age, I don't know if all people will call me blessed, but someone will say he was blessed by the Lord for the mighty one has done great things. Amen. So I, I'm asking you that question personally about where you see yourself, especially into, in relation to how God can use or call you. And I'm asking whether or not you discount that call or whether or not you push it aside or even just, just doubt it and avoid it because you've got an idea, a conception in your head that you're not worthy or capable or equipped. It doesn't matter. If God's called you, He will empower you. He will qualify you. He will equip you just as he's done for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much 
My soul magnifies you and my spirit rejoices for you are my saviour. Jesus, you are our saviour. You came into the earth as, a, as, a, as an infant. Not even, even before being an infant, you were in the womb of Mary, God. You were an unborn child and you came to be with us and to love us, to teach us and ultimately to die for us and to rise again to save us. God, I thank you so much that my standing before you has nothing to do with my standing before others or how I feel about myself. It has everything to do with what you've done for me in Jesus. I thank you that you are high and lifted up and by bringing Jesus down to where we are, you have begun to lift me up to be with you. I thank you that that is true, not just of me, but of every person here. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully and mightily and gently and encouragingly and in whatever way needs to be for the people in this room to hear and receive the calling that you've put on their life. God, empower us by your Spirit, to not see according to the flesh, but to see according to your Spirit. I thank you, God, for your consistent, unchanging grace and faithfulness. And that even when my eyes, even when our eyes are taken off you, for even, even for a long time or, or just for a moment, God, you are faithful to draw us back to you and receive us again if we would just come. So God, as we go from this place, as we fellowship together, empower us by your Spirit to love you better, to know you more, and to serve you in the world whichever way you've called, because we are your servants. I pray all this in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen.